The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Any health advice given, whether general, diet, physical or spiritual, is general only and must be verified by your doctor. If you need medical advice, please consult a doctor. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the latest edition of the Health and Fitness Show. I am Suleiman Rafiq, your host for today, and we are broadcasting live from the studios of Inspire FM on the 16th of January 2020, reaching listeners in Luton and surrounding areas on 105.1 FM. As always, you can join us via the Inspire FM website. And if you prefer to view us as well as listen, you can do that via Facebook. All you have to do is go to the Inspire FM Facebook page and click on our live link. Having your interaction is great, so why not get involved? You can do that by text or WhatsApp on 0777-948-1822. Or you can call the studio on 01582-481822. As you will know, we, each week we cover different health-related topics, and today we'll be discussing all about chil- what children eat and fussy eating. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, two friends who um, have a real passion for this topic and area and have done so much for improving outcomes for children in Luton. So just to take this opportunity to thank them for all the work they've done for many years uh, in the local community. So without further ado, I'll ask my guests just to introduce themselves. So I'm Sarah Walker. I work as a paediatric dietitian for Bedfordshire Community Health Services. And I'm Emma Cronley Dillon. I'm I'm a paediatric dietitian and also a, a public health dietitian. So we run public health programs uh, that particularly target children and pregnant women in in Luton. Fantastic. Thank you very much for giving up your evening to be with us. Uh, as I said, we are live, so feel free to message or WhatsApp on 0777-948-1822. Uh, before I go any further, I did promise this week that I'd give a shout out to my son, Ibrahim. So uh, I've done that now. I asked him if he was going to listen, and he said only if I get a shout out. So, you know, Aww. I've been doing it for a That's while now. That's the deal. <laughs> That's the deal. He's probably turned off now. He's, yeah. like, oh, it's done. <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably watching CBB. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or investigators. <laughs> uh, so, as I was saying, we are discussing all around what children eat, and we will also be touching on fussy eating. Um, I actually first asked Emma and Sarah to come onto the show when a little while back there was a news story uh, around a teenager who lost his sight after living with a diet of chips and crisps. Uh, It was reported that since leaving primary school, the teen had only been eating French fries, Pringles and white bread. Uh, And that subsequently led to him losing his sight. So obviously this is quite a serious topic that we are discussing today, potentially. And more recently, um, a few days ago, it was reported that 99 out of 100 packed lunches reviewed in a study eaten at school are unhealthy and parents seem to be ignoring nutritional advice because they were saying that children don't like to eat vegetables. The study looked at approximately 1,300 lunch boxes taken to school by pupils aged 8 and 9, found that crisps, sweets and sugary drinks took precedence over fruit, vegetables and milk-based products. So today's show really is, as always, focusing on positivity and what we can practically do as a community and as parents or grandparents uh, around ensuring that we're doing best for our children as we all want to do uh, and supporting them as best we can so just before we get on to some of the more practical elements for all of the listeners out there um, could you just tell us a little bit more about the family food first program 
Sure. Uh, the Family Food First program is a unique program uh, because uh, it's only running in Luton, so unique to Luton, and it's it's an obesity prevention program um, in its essence, uh, but. We, we work with uh, nurseries, preschools, and the local Luton Children's Centre to um, encourage them to work with families and promote healthy messages. So that's through uh, like a standards-based model, so good quality-based standards which look at food provision, um, the mealtime environment, um, uh, physical activity practice, that sort of thing, and uh, we train the staff, and we go in and we 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 audit settings and see how they're getting on. So at the moment, we're working with about twenty six nurseries and preschool in the Luton Children's Centre. Um, so look out in your nursery and see if there's a certificate because <laughs> they'll be accredited, and that means that they're achieving excellent practice in promoting health for your child. Great. And often we have a lot of listeners who might be involved in early years, settings, etc. Is there a way they can find out more information if they're not already involved? Yeah. Um, so we've got a, a website, uh, which, to be honest, I can't quote off the top of my head because it's actually um, on the CCS website and it's at this ridiculously long-winded... Um, but people search for but family... Search. Yeah. So if you put family, family food, food first into Google, yep. that will it will will be the first thing that comes up. Great. So you can have a look there. It tells you a little bit more about the programme. We've got resources on there. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Oh, fantastic. So, yes. Cool. Often Facebook and Twitter are good forums as well to engage there, with people, yes, aren't they? Yes, exactly. Facebook. And we're always tweeting new things on there, um, promoting. Uh, we, we're often releasing, like we have recipes that we release every season. So to encourage our, our nurseries to sort of use those and promote them to parents. There's lots of things that we promote through Twitter. Great. Awesome. And then just in relation to, we've mentioned the phrase a few times, fussy eating. I mean, as professionals, um, what, what, what would you say we, we mean when we're talking about fussy eating? Um, I mean, selective eating, which most people might suggest is fussy, picky, uh, faddy eating, is mainly kind of where children refuse to eat um, sort of familiar foods or a large proportion of foods that might have previously been familiar to them, or their diet might lack variety, they may not eat as many different foods groups as we would expect. Um, And actually, fussy eating or selective eating is actually part of a child's development. So it's really common, um, especially in our under fives um, and it's estimated about 10 to 30 percent of uh, your preschool or school age children will have um, an element of being fussy Um, and in terms of the development it's due to something that we would uh, call neophobia and it tends to kick in when children are around about the age of two Um, and we get a lot of parents where they'll Mm. say my child's eaten everything as a baby they have no problems and they've just hit two and I don't know if it's terrible twos Mm. Um, and what happens is um, it's kind of an innate response that's kicked in where children suddenly start to refuse things that may be new or something that's in a different way so it might look slightly different um and this tends to happen maybe more commonly around that age um but the good news is there's a lot of things that you can do to try and kind of get a child through that phase Mm. so that they don't become fussy in the long term great and i think it's it's quite reassuring to know in a way that it is like there are quite a lot of children out there who um, are selective in what they're eating and stuff like that but there are techniques and methods and things that we're going to come on to uh, where you can support your child to kind of explore that a bit further I mean we'd say all children go through fussy phases because Mm. the the mealtime environment or or mealtimes are um, a time where children are exploring and they're learning I think that's really important for parents to to recognise when you start um, solids mm. and you start to offer your child foods for the first time that that's that's what it's all about but children do quickly learn don't they that this is um, it's a, it's somewhere where they can exert their control right. and it's often an area that's actually quite emotional for parents too because I, I see and I think we both see that parents they invest a lot it's something you can give your child and you can really see the the feedback in the sense that I'm I'm caring for my child I'm feeding them food I'm feeding them good food and I'm watching them grow um, so when they start to say well hang on I'm not going to eat that then that can start to become quite an anxious time and uh, 
sometimes a little bit of a battleground. So it's, you know, it's it's a way that children can start to exert a little bit of control over mm. what they put in their mouths. So it's a, it's an interesting time. So I would say a lot of children go through this. It's just where are they at on the spectrum? Are they just sort of general fussy ones? Or some of the children that do come into our clinic can be a little bit more on the severe side because it's starting to affect their, their growth mm. and some of them might have bit of bit of mineral deficiencies yeah and the other thing i guess as a parent is around um like you're saying it's it's a time that you can physically see them enjoying their food as well so often you know you just want them to be happy and therefore you're just going to give them whatever you think makes them happy and you don't necessarily want the argument or do you see what i mean or or, or you don't want to go through that process with your child around actually um these are good foods for you and stuff like that you think you know what it's been a long day whatever whatever and so what would be really helpful as we go on is to talk about some of those practical tips that um parents can take from around um how you can introduce uh, a more balanced diet and various different types of foods rather than just sticking to the the tried and tested ones that you've had previously um i mean it'd be good to know in terms of is um some of the some from your kind of knowledge and experience is there any um relationship to what mothers eat during pregnancy and then the child's kind of taste and things like that so we were thinking in terms of um, sort of maintaining a healthy pregnancy, mm. making sure that um, if you have a healthy diet during pregnancy, there's no specific foods linked yeah. directly to kind of if you eat something specifically in pregnancy that that child will refuse it later down the line. Sure. But I think the key thing really is making sure you've got variety mm. both whilst you're pregnant and breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's also, there, there's a lot of evidence, isn't there, around... The mother's nutrition and how that impacts on your developing baby and what that means for their long-term health so there's there's lots of good reasons why mums you know mums to be should should try and eat a healthier diet even if it's not something that you were doing before or you think you need to improve your diet that's a really good incentive and I think also for them the future if you're eating a good diet then you're going to be an excellent role model and I think that's one of the key tips we mm. would say is is you know children learn from their parents particularly in those first early days before they start going off to school and the peer group has much more of an influence you're one of the biggest role models in your children's lives so if you've if you're pregnant and you know your diet's not great then making some of those small steps before your life gets crazy is uh, is a good idea start early early, exactly Mm -hmm. and it has an impact you're investing in your your child's future at that stage too yeah absolutely and so just at the beginning there we spoke about when we first decided that we were going to cover the this topic specifically and it was about the story around the teenager who'd, who'd gone blind after surviving solely on a diet of crisps um, I mean from your experience we're working with families and stuff w- what are some of the consequences of not having a balanced diet and you know having a very limited diet well I mean we see children um, who have who, who are not gaining weight i mean the the technical term is faltering growth so they uh, aren't gaining weight as you might expect them to and i mean in the early years that can have an influence on on their overall growth Um, we don't tend to see it so often here in the uk because most children are nourished enough um, to to grow well but nutrition is the driver of growth um, in the first two years of life so if you're not getting enough nutrition to grow then it is going to impact on your your height potential so you'll be stunted but that's that's quite extreme that happens a lot more in the in the third world uh, or sort of the developing world um, where you hear that sort of thing happening but I guess in some extreme cases that could be a risk and I mean we don't tend to see it too often do we Sarah mm. where the height is is impacted but in some in some cases it can be a be an issue um, then there's the vitamin and mineral deficiencies that have a have a big role to play. And obviously, with this um, lad, which is you know, it's a very sad story to hear what happened with him. Because unfortunately, once they'd actually got onto the fact that he had 
the cause of his blindness and his deafness he was also experiencing that was um, because of his vitamin and mineral deficiencies particularly B vitamin 12 um, it had already been going on for such a long time that even though they've been correcting it and he's, he's also been referred to I think he's getting some specialist help now um, because they think what he had was was offered wasn't it Sarah yeah so um, it's kind of quite a new disorder and it's something that um, isn't is tends to be managed through specialist mm. services but um, ARFID stands for avoidant food restrictive disorder um, so it's quite a specialist in terms mm. of needing um, sort of help and support uh, but when we were kind of reviewing the case um, quite a lot of the deficiencies ha- happened over a number of years so it wasn't just a one or two months where he'd had a restrictive diet this is something that was very much long term mm. um, which I I think kind of uh, is why lots of the uh, case in terms of his medical needs, I guess, were quite significant and severe. Mm. Um, And in terms of the diet that he was having, um, again, very restrictive. It was mainly beige coloured. It was very restrictive, um, which is quite rare. Yeah, it is quite rare. I mean, he was having ham and um, sausages so you would think oh okay there's some meat there I mean I think that's you know meat is a very nutritious food but he mustn't have been having it enough you know on a daily basis to end up with B vitamin 12 deficiency because you don't actually need that much B vitamin 12 and if you eat meat then you are going to get if you eat meat daily you should be getting enough I mean we don't tend to see B vitamin 12 deficiency um, it's usually due to uh, metabolic um you know issues or you know because you're not absorbing it properly it's not because of dietary concerns hmm. so yes this this young lad was having a you know it's a very extreme diet over a number of years and also i think there was some evidence that maybe he wasn't following the treatment protocol because mm-hmm. they had picked up about his vitamin deficiencies years before some of the symptoms had started mm-hmm. to arise and um th- th- that had lapsed i think he was getting injections sure so i guess some of the lessons learned there are um to, to you know to follow the treatment protocols mm. i mean i think unfortunately some of those those kids because he's now i think he's what 17 or mm. 18 now isn't he so when he'd started to have these very severe um fussy eating behaviors um there probably wasn't a recognition of ARFID and that this is actually an eating disorder. It's only now becoming um, known. And I mean, and we're lucky here in Luton because the Eating Disorder Service has just recently gotten some funding awarded to um, offer an ARFID service. So it's just started. So mm-hmm. we're sort of still navigating the the pathways there of how to uh, get families into the service and, and you know, what, what, what families are appropriate for the service. But it's really good news because we know that it's really difficult sometimes Mm. to support these children with Mm. their very severe feeding issues. Great, sure. So I'm going to broaden it out further. And just before I do that, just encourage our listeners to get involved. They can do that by calling us on 01582481822 or you can text or WhatsApp us in the studio on 0779481822. That's 0779481822. So just from a very general perspective, so your everyday kind of parent who's trying to do their best and ensure that their child is having um, a balanced diet and often it's just you want your child to have something right so you know often it's like you know they're having something and so that's good for them Um, but what in in your experience or from what you've seen are some of the kind of practical strategies that parents could adopt to try and get their children to eat more fruit and vegetables for example Ah, okay. But we sort of, I think we, when we were thinking about this, we broke it into to two parts because I think you've got what you should do to prevent fussy eating problems. Okay. I think is a good way to think about things okay? because I think you know, all children will potentially go through a fussy eating period. So you've got to, as parents, be armed and ready for that. But I think that there's <clears throat> lots you can do in the very early days from when you literally start feeding your child solid food. Um, to, to because you're essentially learning together. I guess that's how I like to see it because um, you know, children are exploring that first sort of year of, of life for a child when you start solid foods at around six months of age. You know, they're really learning about different tastes, different textures, and it would 
parents should really try and see that as uh, that's what that time is that that six months to a year is an exploration phase in fact actually probably the first two years of life with food is a big exploration phase because I think there's uh, parents do have a lot of anxiety mm. around starting solid food and feeding their child and kids pick up on that don't they Sarah mm. they really do you know and, and it's and it does and, you know we want meal times to be positive so that's really one of the big mantras is try and have a positive meal time and if you know you're starting from the very beginning and you're learning together about how to have positive meal times as a family because it is going to get messy <laughs> it's going to mm. get it's going to be different to meal times that you'd experience before before children then um uh, yeah, starting, you know, thinking about it from the very beginning is a good way to go. So those I, those messages would be, you know, starting around six months of age because children are more developmentally ready um, in terms of sitting up and, and swallowing and being able to feed themselves. And I know a lot of people would think, whoa, children feeding themselves, but actually children are able to feed themselves finger foods from six months. So we definitely recommend doing that. Um, you know, and you could use things like, uh, you know, from the from first foods would be soft cooked type vegetables or um, you know maybe cooked pasta or that sort of thing things that they could kind of pick up and munch on and mm. you know if you're a bit worried it could be stuff that just sort of dissolves kind of near their mouth or just goes a bit mushy but I guess the what you're aiming for is for them to be able to pick something up and put it near their mouth because they might not get it in their mouth to begin mm. with but they're then taking a bit of control over eating um and so sorry because you used that you mentioned there about ex ex exploratory uh exploring kind of period so what you mean by that is just to get as much much different types of foods and vegetables is that what you're saying yeah i I mean to begin with you know some parents might want to um just feed vegetables it's very very common you see a lot of first foods mm. um, particularly if you're going to choose jars and packets and that sort of thing will be very bland vegetables uh, and what we're saying is first of all you don't need to use jars and packets you don't need baby foods that are manufactured you can just use the foods that you're eating they're perfectly fine for your child to eat um, and uh, to not spend too long just giving vegetables uh, okay Again, it's recognizing it can be a little bit anxious. You know, mm. be a little bit anxious starting starting solids to begin with. So, if you want to start off slowly and just offer sort of you know cooked potatoes and that sort of thing, or or mashed foods, there's nothing wrong with starting with mashed foods and doing a bit of spoon feeding because we all eat softer textures. Um, but you need to move on to foods that are mixed that contain protein, particularly iron containing foods, because children do need the variety and they do particularly need iron um from from six months of age so so yeah so variety is is key yeah uh, because yeah they are exploring lots of different tastes and that's why i think also another pitch for offering family foods and the foods that you're eating is that children become used to those flavors mm. they'll um, be able to explore those flavors and and jar and packet foods they they are actually quite bland they're very very similar a lot of the um, food producers they tend to put a lot of apple in them because it's very cheap right. but they won't declare that on the front of the packet and there's been some studies I think first steps nutrition did a bit of work didn't they Sarah into jars and packet foods and um, they, they saw that some of them were advertising that they were broccoli and peppers and lemon and actually the majority of what was in them was apples. So mm-hmm. that means you're getting a very bland tasting, similar tasting product. Um, and that's why family foods are great because I think children then learn to eat the foods that you want them to eat in the long run, essentially. Mm-hmm. So no need for baby foods. <laughs> that's the message. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, families are a bit worried because, mm. hey, I'm, I'm, I use a lot of spice in my in my um, cooking. Yep. You know, and that is, that is a concern. Obviously, children are going to be pretty, pretty susceptible to chili. Um, uh, you know, some of the things you could do is you know, maybe maybe take a little portion out before you put chili. Maybe you'll have oh, okay. to not put chili in from the beginning, mm. or um, you know, try a few different methods. Uh, to, to, to mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're if you're really a spice person, you might just have to put spice aside for a little while. I mean, um, in my family, we like a bit of spice, and we're just getting used to we, we add spice on at the table. It's mm. not the same. I recognise that, but. <laughs> You still, you know, you can still get a kick. <laughs> and then and then when you go and eat out or someone's house, you can have a bit of spice. 
Sure. Um, Other things yeah. to bear in mind is also um, the kind of window between when yeah. you're starting solid. So um, between kind of that six to nine to ten month period is a really good time to try and get the textures in okay. um, and not leave it too long. Mm. So any if you leave it past ten months, that's where you start. If, if you haven't introduced the textures at that point, there's more risk of children becoming a bit fussier okay. later on. Yeah. So, so get in, get early mm. in terms of getting that exploration and different textures in. Sure. So that's six to ten. Month six to ten months so really utilizing six that period of time to mm. really get those different textures in and yeah. like emma mentioned lots of finger foods chance to pick it up work with the mess and um it will be worth it fantastic fantastic <laughs> and it's quite fun isn't it for them they you know yeah, they, they, seem, they seem to be yeah. loving it don't they and that's why you give them ownership of it as well because mm. they they love to feed themselves i think mm. most children you'll see them they, they they're showing you the cues i think that's something to another message for parents to look out for they're grabbing the spoon if they're doing all of that sort of thing they're turning their head away they're saying i want to feed myself or mm. i don't want any more put in my mouth so really look out for those they, they show you what they want mm. even fantastic. though they can't talk fantastic great so we'll be picking this up further uh, after the ad break so please do stay with us um our, we'll be looking at more general advice for parents we'll also be looking at vegetarian diets for example so please do stay with us and we'll be back after this short commercial break Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Any health advice given, whether general, diet, physical or spiritual, is general only and must be verified by your doctor. If you need medical advice, please consult a doctor. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the latest edition of the Health and Fitness Show. I am Suleiman Rafiq, your host for today, and we are broadcasting live from the studios of Inspire FM on the 16th of January 2020, reaching listeners in Luton and surrounding areas on 105.1 FM. As always, you can join us via the Inspire FM website, and if you prefer to watch as well as listen, you can do that via Facebook. All you have to do is go to the Inspire FM Facebook and click on our live link. Having your interaction on the show makes all the difference, so why not get involved? You can do that by text or WhatsApp on 0777-948-1822. And thank you to the listeners who have been in touch. You can also call the studio on 01582-481822. As you know by now, each week we cover different health-related topics. And today we're talking all about uh, feeding children and fussy eating. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by two professionals in this area. And I'll just ask them to introduce themselves. I'm Sarah Walker. I work as a paediatric dietitian for Bedfordshire Community Health Services. Uh, Emma Cronley Dillon. I'm a paediatric and public health dietitian working for Bedfordshire Community Health Services. Perfect. And so just before the break there, we were talking about some um, practical advice for all parents around how we can encourage our children to... um, eat a more healthy balanced diet and particularly Sarah you're talking about that six to ten month age range uh, which is really important and that's really helpful to know about as well uh, we've had a couple of questions in one of those uh, thank you to the listener was around um, can you please give some advice on how to make an older fussy eater child eat healthily my son won't even try things and so we're going to come on, I think you were saying, to some more practical mealtime examples of things that we can do. This is probably a really common question from lots of the parents that we see in clinic and out and about. Mm. Um, and I think the good news is seven is quite an influential age and probably experiencing lots of different environments, which is good. Um, probably first it would be definitely start small, um, small changes, um, not to overwhelm by introducing lots of new foods um, of different textures at one time. Um, and something might just be to think about just getting them to have a look at the foods that they might be interested in trying not putting lots of pressure and absolutely putting it in their mouth so kind of very much a gradual process um so it might be choosing something when out in the supermarket that might look quite interesting um 
maybe just getting the child to just smell something, see what it um, might smell like and how different foods smell. Um, and if they're okay in looking and smelling that food, you might then want to move and progress a little bit more into maybe giving it a bit of a lick. Um, just exploring kind of maybe how it's um, how it might feel um, before then maybe thinking about um, getting it closer to the mouth, um, giving it a bit of a kiss. Some children love a little bit of a kiss, see what's <laughs> going on. Um, and um, exploring kind of that, that mouth feel. And then if, if feeling confident, maybe then encourage, why don't we try it? Um, but also trying it together as well and going through that. But I think big process, probably one of the key things is role modelling mm. and um, making sure that actually as a parent, you're doing that yourself. If you're encouraging your child to try something new, that you're doing it together mm. um, and sharing that experience. Sure, so. Yeah, I think another thing at, at seven years old, you might find that they're um, they're quite into charting if they you know if they want to get involved in actually you know they're recognizing I've you know I do want to try some different things I know I you know I need to eat a little bit healthier I mean that's one thing you probably need to negotiate at seven you can have a chat to them about it and um, try and get them to understand that you know maybe their diet isn't that healthy and talk about healthy diets and maybe there are some things that they'd be prepared to do because you do need to get them to commit to want to actually try things um uh, and then if you've established that okay you know he, he or she is up for um for trying something um then you know children do like keeping a log of what mm. they're doing and we've had some success in the past with getting children to journal their journey um, in trying different things so um, they can decide you know what kind of things do they like at the moment and are there foods that are similar to those that have similar kind of properties textures colors that they might be up for you know trying because there can be similarities and they think oh maybe that you know maybe that food's not so bad if it's something like vegetables you know and and they're okay with having um you know, what's a good example like they don't mind sweet corn um you know then you'd probably look at something okay what has a similar texture uh to, to sweet corn or something that's you know because it's quite a, a hard texture maybe something like you know, peas or is it a similar sort of texture that might be a little bit crunchy or uh, maybe peppers might be something a little bit crunchy or small chopped up carrots or something that's a similar color that they could try that you know so uh, it that sort of helps with mapping what they might like to do um in, in trying different things and then they could kind of keep a keep a log of it take a picture or draw a picture of it and see why if they liked it or if they didn't like it i think sometimes it's good to get children to try things and it doesn't if they you know if they're up for trying and using the exposure technique that um that sarah was talking about um then it's it's about no judgment if they don't like it they don't like it that's fine but if they like it and they think it's okay then maybe we might be up for trying it again so um so that can be helpful if they're really fussy like that mm. you know if they're really sort of like i'm not even going to try anything then uh, slow steps and sort of doing a little bit of planning and maybe being realistic as well as a parent to think well you know this is a long-term thing and we might it might take a long time to actually even get them to eat three or four different new vegetables it might take months mm. you know for some kids who've got very particular restrictive mm. feelings around foods sure so. and can i just be clear then in terms of like you say in the steps so you touch it and mm -hmm. you and, and so if a child like touches it and they're like i don't like how it feels so then what what so you're as a parent you say okay you don't like how it feels fine we'll try something else or do you persevere or do you see, you're like oh no it actually feels okay to me like do you see what i mean what did you do in that moment I think certainly, um, and we know from kind of some of the research, actually, the more times you expose a child to a food yeah. and certainly tasting it, and there's lots of different numbers that get bounded around between 15 to 20 times. Right. So actually, it's about it becoming familiar yeah. um, to the child. So actually not giving up first mm. time, mm -hmm. um, but then also not putting that pressure on that that's mm. got to happen straight away. So um, it might be that you try something different, but maybe come back to that particular food, maybe right. when the child feeling feeling maybe a bit more confident mm. um, maybe has a, as Emma was mentioning a texture that's quite similar and once it might be that if they if they like um, a slice of bread that you then move them onto something like a pita bread or a breadstick yeah, so that actually you, you work within mm. the same um, food group and then expand from
from there if, if they're particularly fussy sure. um, rather than going I think certainly fruits and vegetables are normally the more tricky group to get in because they look so different their textures are so mm. different so it might be starting off quite small with a food um, a group that's um, kind of more dry and the texture is more consistent mm. Um, mm. and it's likely to be the same every time you give it to them great fantastic uh, listeners I'd just like to thank you very much for getting in touch um, appreciate your comments and questions um, we've just had some comments in relation to positive comments about it's great to hear you talking about um, that uh, babies uh, eating home-cooked food uh, rather than buying um, baby foods from supermarkets and things like that so they're just saying excellent and um, another thing about hide, <laughs> hiding fruit and vegetables in foods. So, yeah. um, That's a good question. They don't necessarily realise they're eating it. So, But then that doesn't necessarily then set them up for when they're a bit more independent. So, oh. well, let me put it to you. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me touch that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, a, good, it's a timely question because as Sarah was just talking about becoming familiar, when, you, when you're hiding fruits and vegetables, um, children won't know they're in there and then they're not becoming familiar with them. Mm. So it's, uh, you know, if you're worried about your child getting enough nutrition in, hiding them, you can do that, but then have them on the side as well. So, you know, if, if that's, you know, that's a sort of a, a compromise, but generally we would say, if you really want to achieve a change, they have to see them there, they have to experience them um, rather than hiding them. Sure. And then just the other one was in relation to, um, so it says, Asalaamu Alaikum, how to keep kids from sugary fizzy drinks and fast food that's the one that's close to my heart with the fizzy drinks Mm. because we were talking about that before we Mm. came on um and i uh because i've worked very closely with the oral health promotion team you know we promote um, positive dental health and good good dental health practices through um the family food first and they've got a program called healthy smiles that they run in luton in nurseries because we don't have very good oral health for under fives here in luton Mm. um it's pretty shocking and uh dental health uh, poor dental health is totally preventable um it's all about good dental hygiene obviously but um it's about what you eat and drink and trying to keep sugar attacks to you know maximum of four uh, a day and that's your meals mostly um so keeping the, sh- the message is keep sugar to meal times and sugary drinks is one of those things that um it's it, children that's how they tend to actually create decay is through having sugary drinks it's one of the, the classic um dietary issues and i would say starting early and actually not offering sugary drinks to your child if they're under two um just milk and water um, maybe you can consider after they're a bit older you can start to give them things like juice or, or water because um, unfortunately once they've you know once you've got the taste for it it's mm. very difficult and when children are under two they're really difficult to negotiate with when they're older they start to understand this is a treat we don't have them very often but i would say keep sugary drinks out of the house mm. because they are just empty calories you're not getting anything from them and they're terrible 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 for your teeth so unfortunately the message <laughs> the advice is you're just going to have to stop it you're going to have to put boundaries in place and say mm. um, or only have them at a meal time so you can have you know one sugary drink a day maybe or two depending on how many you're having so <laughs> mm. <laughs> if you're having them all the time then maybe you want to slowly cut down that can be a, an easier thing to manage but keep them to meal times. Um, so just just have them at meal times mm. and maybe one glass at meal times and, and limit it and slowly cut down. But also know. thinking about who else is in the house as well. And mm. um, as Emma mentioned, just by having them there and the foods and drinks in the house is always going to be that mm. temptation. But also, I guess if you're giving the message that we want to try and limit the number of times, but maybe the parents then continually drinking that throughout mm. the day, then that can sometimes be very difficult for the child to then, I guess, um, adopt that healthy habit as well. So. Mm doing it all together making sure the changes um that you're making as a family yeah awesome and then just in relation to the other part of the question was about fast food so in terms of that kind of fast food culture that we have i mm. mean as you know you're dealing with a lot of families you must see quite a lot of that um how, how, how if, if at all is there any strategies around fast food and how to decrease the amount of fast food that we're eating 
Well, I think it's looking at the reasons why you're accessing fast food because a lot of the time it's because maybe we haven't got food in the house, we haven't prepared things, uh, you know, we do have limited time. So it probably is a little bit of planning involved in trying to avoid mm. uh, going to takeaways. Um, so if it's something you want to try and change, then looking at alternative options that you can have in the house, um, even if it is frozen food, that's probably better. And you can, can adapt things, you know, mm. so if, you, if you're going out to have chicken and chips, then maybe think about what you can have you can get in the house um because you could have you know you could have frozen chicken nuggets and chips with peas and that's probably going to be um a better option and and probably less fat than you would from a um a, a, your, your chicken shop so i mean it's you know it's about i think it's about realistic changes really because you know obviously it would be better to try and cut down on your takeaways and maybe mm. only have them sort of every so often and as a treat but if it's you know if you're living a hectic family life and you've got to be realistic about what the things what things you can change and and make you know small changes so if it is about getting you know sort of frozen foods in then that's fine and then looking at how you can try and you know, cook some food at home or make some make some shortcuts. Um, I don't know if you do have anything else to add. I think Sarah. it's looking at um, kind of asking, sort of, as you mentioned earlier, why this is the reason that we're eating um, the foods? Is it a distraction? Is it due to boredom? Oh. Is there a reason why that's happening? Um, or is it in place of a meal? Um, is there particular places that might kind of encourage us to choose those foods? So just sometimes the environment that we're living in, for example, just walking past that chip shop on the way back from school yes. or is it um, sort of walking down your local high street yeah. and you get that smell and actually is there a different <laughs> route that you could take to try and actually support not wanting that mm. food um, just yeah this yeah and I think yeah it's a again going back to making small changes if it's if it's something that's ever present in your life I think you know as a family I mean, that's with anything. If you're going to make any changes, you know, going back to fussy eating, I think, um, you know, thinking about what's your family life, you know, what's things going on at home? Like, do you have, do you, are you living with relatives? All of that sort of stuff. Because if you're going to, if you're going to make a change, you're going to try and change your child's behavior or your family's behavior, you really need to plan how that's going to go. Mm -hmm. Because to be successful in making any behavior change it's about um being consistent and and repeating it mm. and that's seen throughout the literature it's one of the things that a lot of parents the parents don't get that message often enough and we're not very good at doing it so um planning to make sure you can try and do that is I think one of the first things it's one of the things I always talk about with my patients you know you're going to go home think about what you're going to do talk to talk to your, your other half talk to if anyone else is involved in childcare or anything like that mm -hmm. to make sure that everyone's on the same page so we're all having a consistent approach and it would be the same with takeaways as well like you know as a family you need to make that decision we're going to cut down mm -hmm. um, and so everyone has to be on board sure fantastic listeners you're listening to Inspire FM on 105.1 FM and we're here discussing um, fussy eating and children's diets on the health and fitness show. This program is going out live on Thursday the 16th of January 2020 and you can get involved by text or whatsapp on 0779 uh, and we're being joined by um, not one but two paediatric dietitians so you're very welcome to get in touch and let us know your thoughts as well um, obviously in the news at the moment there's lots about vegan diets vegetarian you know uh, eat less meat it's good for the environment it's not very much in the news at the moment so I couldn't have um, two dietitians in front of me and not <laughs> ask them their views on this so what 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 is your professional thoughts on that Phenomenon. Uh, vegan, vegan oh. diets. <laughs> well, it is. It's 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 uh, very very popular at the moment. I mean, we are actually in Veganuary, Suleiman. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I missed that so one. <laughs> we might know. Uh, we didn't know. It's a new. It's a new month on the calendar. Um, I, I look. I think eating less meat is is a is a good thing to do. Um, we eat a lot of people eat too much meat yeah. you know we don't need to eat the amount of meat that we eat um to get the protein we need um and to get the nutrition we need however that's being said i mean vegetarian diets can be very 
healthy um, and and you know probably do have a you know are sustainable um, in terms of the environment and the British Dietetic Association has also agreed that vegan diets are um, you know can can be healthy and can be manageable from uh, across the age range uh, I think a caveat I would put on that um, is that it, it's a recognition that firstly with vegan diets they it's a very extreme diet um, you're cutting out one whole food group and that's your milk and dairy foods and you're also cutting out quite a lot of foods from your protein food category um, and you're missing out on a lot of nutrients so B vitamin 12 iodine, iron, zinc, there's a lot of things um, that you you need to be aware of. So you need to uh, be able to plan your diets appropriately. You probably need to be very good at cooking from scratch. So... um, and, and when you're talking about raising children on a on a vegan diet, there are risks there as well because children in the first five years of life are going through one of the, the biggest um, growth spurts that they go through until they go through puberty. Uh, so they need a, a lot of nutrition, a lot of energy. Um, and we also know, as we've been talking about, they naturally are quite fussy and their diets can fluctuate from day to day. So I think if you're going to embark on that process and you've got young children you want to raise them as vegan I think you should be really organized and really into cooking and you need to consider that they might need to have supplements as well um, to, to to make sure they're getting everything that they need so th- there are some caveats there I think to whether or not it's it's a healthy diet for all because I think you know there are some limitations there for some population groups mm-hmm. and so just um want to George just conscious of the time uh, and uh, just want to make sure that we've covered all of the all the relevant bits that we wanted to so I guess the one thing I just wanted to touch on again was around some of the um, practical support that's available for families I know you mentioned um, uh, um, the videos around lunch boxes and things like that so can you just touch on a little bit more around best place to go for further advice and support Sure. Uh, well, I guess we uh, we should point everyone towards the things like the NH Choices website, Change for Life. Um, for your vegan diets, the Vegan Society yeah. is a really, really good website. And First Steps Nutrition, actually, so a lot of listeners might not know about that um, site. You can Google them. Um, so that's a, a, a charity that particularly is uh, has got new, um, resources on there for pregnant women um, and um, advice on formula milks and and it's um, got some nutrition. really practical um, suggestions there's lots of pictures on there around packed lunch ideas as well and recipes yeah. that you can get um, the let's get cooking website is also quite good for recipe ideas yeah and we've also just released the family food first um, program has just released some packed lunch videos um, so they are particularly targeting uh, children in nursery and preschool because we do have some settings we work with that have children that bring in packed lunches. Um, there's a series of different videos, res- uh, videos that look at recipes and making up healthy packed lunches and a video that talks about what's what's in a healthy packed lunch. Um, so those are on our website and they're on our Twitter feed. Um, you can find them on Vimeo if you just look up Family Food First. Um, but I don't know if there's a way for us to link them to your yeah we can uh, yeah so we can yeah we'll add the links to the bottom of the facebook page uh when yeah we'll do that that's no problem at all uh just the other thing to mention is uh our friends at flying start have henry program starting this month um so they've just asked me to remind listeners about that um there's a number of different henry programs and you can go onto the flying start website to find out more about that and every family receives a free henry kit which includes everything you'll need during the program and helpful resources as well so i think the important thing to remember is is um you know as parents uh, you said that didn't you almost every child has a element of fussy eating and so we shouldn't kind of despair at that it's not necessarily a reflection of being a bad parent uh, but rather it's just the nature of uh, children and uh, yeah yeah. I'd say don't sweat it that's Mm. one of the big things don't sweat it most of the children most children are growing Mm. fine that's the the Mm. thing that we we see I mean we see some particular children in our um, clinics that 
aren't mm. growing yeah. but that as well mm. but most children would be growing well yeah yeah but also to put yourself in your child's shoes as well mm. so think about how would it feel when my if i was sat there yeah. at a meal time and mm. is is it fun is it is it positive um and mm. would i want to, to to have the same meal time again sure mm. absolutely I'd, I'd say another big takeaway message um because maybe we, we haven't probably gone through some of the, the some of yeah. the real practical tips about mm. just general fussy eating but a takeaway i would say is sharing meals with your children as much as possible so all eating the same food mm. and having shared family meals it's it's a real struggle i think for families you know nowadays mm. because people are working and maybe shift working and we often don't get that opportunity to to sit down and share a meal together but mm. it's uh children learn so much from their parents mm. and there's loads of really good evidence that if you can continue that habit as children get older into adolescence it has a really big impact on their health and well-being you see children have um, reduced rates of self-harm they've got better confidence um, and they eat better they tend to eat more fruits and vegetables because it's that time to talk about your day and mm. share things and um, it's protected family time so i think that's a big big message from me about sharing family meals if you can do it at least once a week then mm. um great more fantastic but at least once a week something to aim for absolutely and um one of the things you mentioned quite a lot at the beginning was around role modeling um and so i just i was in fear of okay so now i'm gonna have to just drink water so <laughs> <laughs> so i was thinking but it, i hadn't necessarily because in your mind i think you think children's drinks and food and then you think parents drink some food but actually we should all just be kind of sharing the same foods yeah um, i mean look which is helpful yes yeah i think it's good to, to do that but hey if you go out for a meal or you know having and, and letting your children have a sweet drink then i think it's about balance we were we were talking about that as well weren't we sarah that yeah. is mm. not um what was it you were saying it's about no um covert no but sort of really restricting yes because in reality, I think it has to be about balance. Mm. And, you know, I think if um, children will access foods and drinks outside the home as well. So we need to be, they need to be able to learn how to, I guess, balance themselves between mm. having treats and having foods but not all the time great yeah. perfect 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 um again very much appreciate you giving up your time this evening to be pleasure. with <laughs> us uh we'd love to have you back in the future to talk about any work that you're up to any campaigns um we have got quite a busy schedule so next week we'll fahad matty and the main man will be back in the studio um if you do have any ideas on topics you'd like us to talk about please do let us know uh, but until next time assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at inspirefmluton.